fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. It is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. Welcome aboard. Happy pre-Friday celebration, man. Greatest day of the entire week, as we say every single day. We see the lights at the end of the tunnel. I know you are excited about that, as am I. So welcome into it. So wonderful to have you broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. Wichita's Big Talker KQAM, where we're hailing from each and every day here for the weekday program on multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, no matter how you watch or listen to the show. So great to have you, your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Boy, I tell you what, we have to do our check. We have not checked in with them in a while, have we not? It's been a little bit, and I feel that he is starting to feel the weight of the Democrat Party of being able to boot him out of office or at least boot him off of the ballot for the candidacy of 2024 but joe biden i'm starting to feel bad for you brother you doing all right i want to be clear i'm not going nuts just making sure making sure got to do our daily check-in with him although apparently he's like the greatest president in generations modern american history were you aware of that according to alexandria ocasio cortez our favorite individual here on this program i am told this is a garbage disposal one of the most uh, is smartest people on the face of the earth alexandria ocasio cortez calls joe biden one of the quote most successful presidents in modern history <laughs> i needed a good laugh today thank you for that aoc I appreciate that so much. Now, I'm curious on how he can be the most productive, most successful president in modern history when Congress was just voted last year in 2023 at the end of the year for being one of the most unproductive congressional sessions in modern American history by only passing like 12 bills the entire year. Now, apparently that's good enough for her and that's good enough for Biden because if they can't pass it by golly, like Barack Obama said back in the day, we're going to use our phone and our pen and just do it ourselves. As according to her, the quote, the President's Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 makes the single largest investment in climate and energy in American history, enabling America to tackle the climate crises and advancing environmental justice, she said, according to the Department of Energy. So, well done, Joe Biden. You don't, No, no, you deserve even a higher one. You deserve the kudos to that one. Power to the people, man, of the Biden administration being the most successful president in modern American history. Thank you, AOC, for that one. You are my favorite. I am told this is a garbage <laughs> disposal. All right, let's get into it. Bottom of the hour today, we have Sherry Few. She is the president and founder of the U.S. Parents Involved in Education organization as there is a new push for diversity, equity, and inclusion in society, but yet... The same ones that are pushing for the diversity, equity, and inclusion, kind of like the ESG that we're seeing in the private sector, you know, businesses that have to have the the ESG, the equity and inclusion and environmental, whatever it's supposed to fill out for, uh, where you're supposed to take care of the environment and supposed to commingle individuals intentionally based on affirmative action and affirmative action policy, that now we have to not only include that into business structure, but we also need to include that into public education in K-12. through Unless it's actually in your school district, what leads us to our story of the day. What's trending today? I know. You're, you're shaking your head saying, what? what are you talking about, Andy? Well, according to Fox News, there is a plan in Washington, D.C. for a couple school districts, elementary school districts, to blend and merge together. 
Now, one of them is a pretty elite, privileged, white, liberal school. And the other one is an inner city one that's very predominantly minority and black. And most of the families that take their kids to the school are on food stamps and on welfare programs. And the school districts or the school district in general is talking about merging the two schools. And the people that are angry about it are the rich white liberals in the area that don't want the interconnectedness to happen. What? I know. Now, I just want to lay this out for you. They're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in our public schools. They're advancing this project. We need to co-mingle everybody. We need to include the LGBTQ. We need to have the transgender bathrooms. We have to do all this other garbage in the public schools and focus on everything except for learning how to like read and write and succeed in life. <laughs> you know, Just the basics that we're supposed to do in general. So they want to push this. But then when we start integrating people together... They say, "Uh uh-uh, not in our school district. We ain't going to allow that to happen. According to Fox News, a plan to integrate two nearby Washington, D.C. schools with vastly different racial backgrounds is sparking a fierce debate among many of the parents, with many of them being predominantly liberal communities. Nearly 6 in 10, according to Fox News, 6 in 10 of the 500 students at the Maury Elementary School are white, a predominantly white area at Minor Elementary School. 80% minor is in like M-I-N-E-R. Yeah, not like minor, like minorities kind of thing. Minor elementary school. 80% of the kids are black, many of whom are in foster care, receive public assistance, or are homeless. Enrollment at the school has been declining, according to the Washington Post, and they're looking at shutting down the school and merging it with the Mari Elementary School, where 6 in 10 of the students, or 60%, are white. Many of them are privileged on the upper end of the income level. Now, according to many liberals, if you would hear this on, let's say, Washington, D.C., but in the chambers of Congress, not in the elementary schools within the city of Washington, D.C., if you heard this in the chambers of the Democrat caucus, you would say, that's great. Let's merge them. We need to do this. We have to merge these two together. We have to bring everybody together. We have to integrate. How dare that these be segregated? Look at the opportunities that are being missed from those students that are on the food stamps that are homeless, that may be in the foster care system, that are on government assistance, being run by the government in some way. Look at the opportunities that they're not getting because, not to make assumptions here, but statistically, those types of communities see massive drop-off rates with uh, graduation, where they're not graduating. They get pregnant early. They drop out and join gangs early. They have high crime rates. They don't show up to school. There's not accountability there. There's major problems in that system. And On paper, theoretically, progressive Democrats would be like, oh, hey, you know what? We need to merge these two because we need to give them opportunities, right? Unless it's involved in your school district itself, in which case they're like, "Eh, maybe not. According to some from the perspective, there's a lot of unknowns about what the equality of the school would actually look like. A lot of parents are already satisfied with Mari, and this jeopardizes that satisfaction, They go on to say, quote, I think it's not because the children have to adjust their environment. I think it's because a whole new set of adults need to understand the kids, understand the family, understand their needs, and how to best support them. So what you're saying is you don't understand the other culture, so you don't want them in your school district. Am I I getting this? (laughs) 
Am I getting this proper? Because that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from you right now is that we don't understand how to properly tend to your needs. So therefore, we really don't want you part of our community right now. The proposal apparently has sparked numerous different conversations in person and online for debates with petitions going against and for the plan with many parents being concerned. Here's the kicker. Many parents being concerned that the integration plan could bring down averages at a school that typically scores higher on standardized testing than the minor elementary school where the poor black kids are going to. Meanwhile, minor parents are worried that the proposal could jeopardize programs that help them as disadvantaged students and are eyeing the opportunity for other programs like free eye exams and glasses. Let- <laughs> oh! This just gets better and better. The white privileged liberal elites don't want the black poor kids. Remember what Joe Biden said. Remember that poor kids are just as good as just as bright as white kids, right? That's the Joe Biden mentality. This is you, you have to really understand the mentality of progressive Democrats and hear the hypocrisy that they live through. The white privileged rich parents that are taking their kids to a little bit more of an elite school, public school still, but an elementary school that's a little bit more on the higher end that have higher standardized testing doesn't want the average standardized testing to lower because of the the dumb black kids. Not my words, but the words of the parents that are concerned about them bringing in. The dumb black kids from the poor community, they don't want them coming into their elementary school because that's going to lower the standardized testing where their elite student has an opportunity to make something of themselves by having a better education. Then we look at the other side and the other community doesn't want it to happen, in some aspects at least, doesn't want it to happen because if the standardized tests go up and they get a better education and they go to a better area, they lose some of the free government goodies that they're receiving. This is Democrat liberalism 101 in a nutshell. They want the integration all over. They want to integrate this ESG, this equity, diversity, inclusion, whatever garbage, In all the other communities except for their own neighborhoods, how dare you bring them into our communities? Like, wow! Does this not blow your mind? And this really reinforces the argument that they've had against the whole school choice, school voucher program, allowing public school students to get into private schools, because the private schools that are run predominantly by elite liberals, at least in many areas of the country, not all of them, not trying to paint with a broad brush here, but many of them, they don't want those dumb public education kids coming into the private school and getting better education because they're so far behind that they're going to lower that standardized testing, which means they may not get as many government grants. They may not get as many nice little perks or scholarship opportunities because the standardized testing averages will be lowered with those dumb education, public education children coming into those communities and they want them out. I had a debate a few years ago from a candidate that was running for Congress here in Kansas, a very far left individual. He had the rallies uh, here with AOC and with Bernie Sanders and with all the socialist radicals in D.C. coming to rally for him on the campaign trail. Didn't have a chance of winning, but he he had it and he felt really good about it coming out. And I used to have him on the program semi-often to try and pick his brain on issues. And he straight up said, public school kids need to stay in public schools. Private school kids need to stay in private schools. Period. End of story. And I asked him why. Like, don't you want the opportunity for others to have the same opportunity as that other people do based on, I mean, you're, we're already paying the taxpayer money into the school system. And at least in many states here in Kansas, where I'm at, obviously a prime example of this, that the amount of money that you pay per tuition, per head of student into the public education system is actually more than what it costs for the annual tuition 
for a private school for an individual to go there. So if you have a school voucher, you're getting a check from the government that's really your taxpayer money. You get the voucher from the tax from your taxpayer money that's filtered through the government for them to hand you a voucher or a school savings account or whatever they want to do and then say, "All right, take that money and spend it wherever you want to at any school, including private schools." in order for your child to have the best education available. And they're against that. They don't like that. Why? Largely because of teachers' unions, largely because of the unions in the administrative state and the public education system say, no, 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 we can't compete with the private schools, so we're going to get our, you know, what's handed to us, and therefore we're going to have to close down schools, close down buildings, and get rid of teachers. We can't do that. We have to keep our low curriculum and our low quality here, and you have to force them to stay in that to not give them the best opportunity. And we'll just sink more money into it because then that will poof magically make it all better, which is their argument against the school voucher, school choice program. When we look at integrating schools, all right, fine, let's integrate it. You want diversity, equity, inclusion. We hear all about that in the private sector. We hear about it in higher education. Let's start including that into K through 12. Let's give the kids that have a really bad opportunity right now. They're in the foster care program. They may not have their families. They're on government benefits right now. The government's essentially taking care of these kids. Not the best start to a positive career or a positive outlook on life with, you know, the streets paid with gold and an opportunity vision for them unless they really put their minds to the grind. But they're already starting a little bit with a few obstacles ahead of them. Let's give them an opportunity by putting them in a school and integrate them with some kids with some pretty decent standardized testing. Let's give them an opportunity for a better education. And the white liberals are like, nah, let's not do that. That'd be bad. That's going to lower our test scores. And the other side's like, nah, let's not do that because we'd lose some of our government benefits if they start doing better. Let's just keep things as the status quo right now because that seems the best opportunity for the kids. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. 24 minutes past the hour. So great to have you with us here. So the hypocrisy of the left is hilarious to watch as they continue to crumble. The identity politics tearing them apart inside out. And you can really see what the agenda is, what the priorities are when they have a union, a teacher's union looking out for the teachers. It's not really for the teachers. When they have an education system that's supposed to be for the children, we see it's more about the administrative state. And we see the politics that's getting involved in here as well, unfortunately. So uh, we don't. some don't like the integration of the children between the public elementary school that's 60% white and the school district that's 80% black. In a poor neighborhood, they don't like the integrating of those two. I'd like to remind you historically as well on what side of the aisle did not like the integration of the school system in the first place because they fought for the Jim Crow laws, the separate but equal, and the Democrats, the ones that have been racist since the beginning of this nation. The Democrat Party continues to show that wicked wildness by saying, yeah, we need to integrate elsewhere, just just not in my community. I really don't want you to be part of that. Uh, I don't know how this is going to bode well. And I really honestly don't know how those in quote-unquote minority communities continue to put up with this garbage. Again, you would think you would want to give the kids every opportunity possible. I want to give every opportunity. I know heartless, close-minded, bigoted, racist, conservative talk radio hosts, the hate talk radio hosts that I get these messages about all the time, horrible individual. I know I'm the one that doesn't want the poor black kid to have an opportunity, right? 
We should just keep them in the poor district in a poor elementary school with government projects that don't give them any opportunities in life except for government goodies and government handouts that kind of keeps the glass ceiling on their head as opposed to allowing them to go to a better school and have an opportunity to really learn, have an opportunity to get a better education, have an opportunity to learn something and get an opportunity to maybe go to higher education, go to trade schools, whatever it may be, to give them a better chance in life. What a horrible concept, man. How dare we advocate for school choice and for school vouchers? I don't give a damn about the teachers' union. I don't give a damn about the administrations. I don't care about any of those. The whole purpose of doing this is for the children. And I know they tried to say that for, like, gun control measures. It's for the children. But this is for the children, the future of America, to give them the best chance available. And you betcha that when we do open up a school voucher program in a state, that you're going to have a waiting list of students and parents trying to get their kids into a private school. You can bet you that they're going to be a waiting list of those trying to get into magnet schools because they're going to look at what those graduation rates look like. They're going to look at what those curriculums look like, and we need to raise the standard up as opposed to lowering that standard and trying to include everybody, which some are going to say was what's going to happen in the school in Washington, D.C., where these kids are going to come in, they're not up to par, so they're going to lower those standards to include everybody and make sure that everybody's qualified to pass the test instead of raising the standards and trying to get them up to par at that same level. And I know this is elementary school, so we're talking like who can color with the correct color in their hand at the, or how to use scissors properly, but at the same time, like this is pretty intense. And the progressives despise it. And it's really funny to watch how the Democrats are imploding by their own policies that are beginning to shoot themselves in the foot. Republicans, if you take anything away from this, and I'm talking to you elected officials who are running for office, either as an incumbent or as a challenger in a race, here's the message. Step away and let the Democrats self-destruct on their own. Stop trying to do the race to the barrel and screwing ourselves up on this. Allow the Democrats to race to the barrel. For example... Offside of this real quickly, there is the ongoing court case, and I believe it's still going on live right now as we speak, but the case regarding Donald Trump and the individual that maybe booted off the Donald Trump case because of the relationship she had with a person that was heavily involved in this, where apparently this case is blowing up and even the media is starting to recognize that. Legalistic-centric and yet so important and fascinating. Right. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court, it's game over for her. She will be disqualified um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to, to the court. It's it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. I can't. That was MSNBC. The case against Trump pretty much going away because of this relationship, the corruption going on. The Democrats are self-destructing. Let them do it. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed, it is. Welcome back into it. So great to have you with us today for a pre-Friday celebration. We are just carpe dinisms all over the place. That's what I'm saying, and I'm sticking to it. Always great to have you with us here, no matter what. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, our multiple radio stations all over the place. Welcome aboard. Fascinating story with the education system. We've been talking about that most of the day, especially this issue out of. Washington, D.C. On an unrelated note, real quickly, we'll talk more about it at a later time. Joe Manchin, the 
senator who is now potentially running for president of the under the No Labels Party has uh, potentially chosen a running mate for that No Labels third party candidacy for president, and that is going to be none other than possibly Mitt Romney. <laughs> We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Let's get into what's trending, though, shall we? What's trending today? As we continue to talk about the education system, there is a push, except for, of course, that elementary school in Washington, D.C., there's a push right now for this uh, almost like the ESG movement that we're seeing in the private sector for businesses, for banks. You have to have that ESG administrator, ESG director, whatever. But they're pushing for this diversity, equity, inclusion in public schools. And what does that what does that even mean? What does that even mean when we're supposed to be learning like math and science and arithmetic and, and rating and writing and, and, I don't know, life skills? What does that mean to push this and where how far have we gone from actually focusing on real education? Happy to talk about that and so much more on the program. She is the founder and president of the United States Parents Involved in Education. Happy to have on here Sherry Few with us. Sherry, how are you today? I am well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you coming on the show. It's a fascinating conversation. We're seeing an overhauling of our public education system right now, and it started in the higher education system. Now we're seeing it trickle into K through 12 in a very grand and very strong way all over the nation. But when did we start focusing on everything except for the basics of what you're supposed to learn in public education? Well, actually, it's been happening for some time. Unfortunately, a lot of people were asleep at the wheel Parents trusted the education system that they sent their children to every day as they went off to work. And all along, you know, we were dealing with things like outcome-based education. Uh, Common Core was in, you know, 2010, 2013. And, and, you know, it's just been one federal fad after another that is is dumped uh, into these schools. But you're right, Andy. It has been in colleges and universities for some time. And, you know, I, I often, when I do interviews on this, I say, shame on us. You know, we knew it was happening. We knew that the colleges and universities were very liberal and, and you know, biased in the things that they're teaching, just simply not even teaching the truth. And that's where they train our teachers. In the colleges of education, they've had these uh, diversity, equity, inclusion programs for a very long time, and they're fully indoctrinating the teachers before they hit the classroom. And, and they train them in a particular pedagogy. So it's, it's not a curriculum. It's not a set of standards. It's not a book that you can point to. But it is a, uh, a method of teaching, a pedagogy that they're trained in, where they're trained to embed it across the curriculum at every grade level. And that's what we're dealing with today. And I think COVID is what really um, pulled the curtain back for parents and others because kids, parents were able to see what kids were learning. You know, we had gotten away from textbooks and and things were becoming virtual as far as education and parents really didn't have a clue what their children were learning and so it was just wide open uh during the covid shutdown and we hear the outrage and it's outrage not just from conservative parents and like during the common core battle they called us white suburban moms well this um opposition comes from all sorts of people Parents are upset, black parents, Hispanic parents, Asian parents. They cannot believe that their children are being taught things that aren't true. And like you said, in the meantime, they're not teaching them to read, write, and do math. The scores show it. 
Yeah, it's unbelievable. And you're right. I mean, if there is a silver lining in the COVID pandemic, we've said it before, it's uh, kind of unveiled a lot of things and shed some things to light that we're being aware of. And now we can start pushing back, which is why, like you said, you know, the, the white suburban moms taking over the school boards or even calling you to the extent of being domestic terrorists by challenging school boards on their policies and their curriculum over the past few years and the hijacking of the school system by you, the parents, were actually running for local school boards in your area, which I thought was a good thing, being having parents more involved in your children's education and wanting to be part of that system. So you, you said that it's not necessarily a, a specific curriculum, but it's being embedded in just what they're being taught. What does that mean? Like, what are we seeing as an example of this this racism, this inclusion, diversity, whatever garbage that they have, like, what does that mean when they're embedding it into just the basic curriculum where they don't even notice? Well, it, it's in every subject area. I mean, from the research that we've done, um, you know, they train teachers to suggest that there is uh, racial bias in science, which is supposed to be an objective subject. And so even like with math, you know, it, it can be embedded in the word problem. So there's different techniques that they've been trying to do to get it in every subject in every grade level. So it is difficult to find. And I think that's intentional because if it, you know, with common core, we were against, we were opposed to a set of standards with this being so pervasive across the curriculum. It's hard for us to pin down. Yeah, it is unfortunate. I have a a nine-year-old daughter. She's in the fourth grade right now. And I have helped her with some of her homework and some of the questions just make me scratch my head a little bit with how they phrase them. Like you said, for math, for example, you know, the word problems for math, trying to solve some of this and the story that they create aren't necessarily, I guess, divisive, but they're more interesting or more different than what I remember when I was a student. And it's just like you said, it's those little things that you probably may not pick up on unless you're actually hands-on involved. Right. That's so true. And, you know, and then in other states, um, you know, the very left-leaning states, like in California, they've moved way ahead of that. There was a, a story recently, I don't recall what state it was, it might have been in the Midwest, but a parent um, called a local radio station, and, and she identified herself as a uh, liberal moderate, and she said she called this conservative radio station because she said she knew that the mainstream media would not support her in this, but her son had taken a quiz and was um, marked wrong. He failed the quiz because he answered questions correctly that didn't fit their narrative. So let me give you two examples of those questions. One question was, do all men have penises? He answered, yes, marked wrong. Can wow. can um, only women become pregnant? He marked yes, marked, and it was marked wrong. So that's the kind of nonsense that is just getting more and more pervasive all across the the country, uh, more so in some very left-leaning states. But, you know, again, parents really don't even know this stuff is happening um, until it hits them in the face like it did this this one mother who's not a conservative, but she objects to the fact that her child is being taught he's wrong when he answers a question correctly. My first question is not only is how in the world, you know, is that wrong? Because obviously it's it's common sense that it's true. But why is that question even being asked in the first place would be, I think, the question that many people would have on why that's even part of a quiz for a student to ask, regardless of what age that they are. Oh, isn't that the truth? You know, I hadn't even thought about how ridiculous it is just on its face to have that quiz. But, but that's the very... Um, 
very liberal indoctrination that's happening in our government schools. And, you know, even, um, you know, adults in Congress uh, can't say whether, you know, how to define a woman. And so that's the culture that we're living in. And this DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, it's not just in the schools. It is in corporations. It is in the government. Uh, when when Trump was president, he did ban it from all of the federal agencies. But, of course, Biden came in and turned that over. And so, you know, it's, it's across the culture. It's permeated. Uh, but it is really sad when you are teaching children things that aren't true. And like you said, wasting time on this nonsense instead of focusing on helping these children to get a good education so they can have a productive life. Yeah, amen to that. We're talking with Sherry Few. She's the founder and president of the U.S. Parents Involved in Education, which you can find on their website at uspie.org. And you can find all their stuff there. we got a couple minutes left here, Sherry, but I have to ask you the uh, workforce development, for example. As you get older and you decide, am I going to go to college? Am I going to go to a trade school? Am I going to go right into the workforce? Are we setting up a generation prepared for the life skills needed in order to get a job or get into higher education to set themselves up for a career down the road? Because the last I've heard that I saw, what was it, 1 in 10 of the Gen Z generation, I believe it's Gen Z, now has their parents going to job applications and job interviews with them to try and hype them up because they're not prepared to do the job interview on their own. That tells me that we're in a sticky situation. Oh, indeed. So, you know, the term workforce development is a term that was um, adopted a couple of decades ago. And really that type, that model of education is a problem. Um, and it doesn't prepare children for the workforce. It actually does quite the opposite. And so we really believe as an organization that children need to be taught just the, the basic things and and be prepared so that they can decide on their own what career field they're going to go into. What's happening today, is, this has actually been happening for a couple of decades, is children are pigeonholed at very young ages based on a survey they take. And then they have to, um, uh, you know, when they get in high school, they have to claim a major like we used to have to do in college. And then every course that they take in high school is aligned with this major. Well, you know, that's not the way education happened in the past and it's not it has not proven successful. We really just need to get back to the basics of teaching children to read, write, and do math, and then let their families and their communities, maybe their faith community, help guide them into what career path they want for, for their lives. What a wild concept. Setting them up for them to decide what they want to do with their future and setting them up in a successful way. It is the United States Parents Involved in Education. Find them online, uspie.org. Sherry, thanks so much for coming on the program, my friend. Keep up this fight. Let's get you back on the show again real soon. Thank you, Andy. Bye-bye. Appreciate it very much. Good stuff. We'll break some of that down and more right around the corner. One more segment here for The Voice of Reason on a Thursday. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we fight for on the program each and every day. So great to have you with us. Thanks again to Sherry Few coming on the show. United States Parents Involved in Education. From parents for parents trying to battle that public education. And look, this is not, I always get this, they're like, oh, you're against teachers. Oh, you don't like it. That's not it at all. 
not the case at all. We love teachers. We love what you do for the youth of America, the next generation. You are the great leaders. But we are seeing, kind of like in the medical industry right now, we're seeing kind of a divide between some of the teachers that have been around for a while and the new teachers coming straight out of university going into the teaching field. We're seeing really a priority difference right now on what the priorities are when it comes to the academics in the classroom. At the same time, just like in the healthcare industry, we're seeing a difference in the doctors that have been around for a while compared to the doctors coming straight out of university that want the socialized healthcare system that don't really like to pay the close attention to a, uh, to a patient to try to find the root issue of a problem. They just, oh, the textbook says this, I give them this medication, boom, off you go, we'll see you next time until you come back with another ailment. Uh, a vast difference on how the medical field has actually been done. So we're seeing a lot of it, and coincidentally, it's the younger kids coming straight out of university. What's the common denominator here? Oh yeah, that's right, higher education, <laughs> what they're teaching there. And it's bleeding now into the younger generation and all these industries because now they're coming out of that education camp and then going out into the workforce and changing the workforce as well for the next generation coming up from them. So it's going to be harder and harder to battle this because now they're being reached at a younger age. So when they get into higher education, this is nothing new to them. They're totally used to it. This is just the way the world works. This is just the way things are. And it's that ongoing battle. So it's uh, something that we need to be concerned about moving forward for sure. And while they're pushing for diversity, equity, inclusion, they're really not pushing for diversity, equity, inclusion, at least for the school districts that are near them or that affect them on that front. Real quick, we've got a couple minutes here. I want to shift gears for a moment. There is a few different independent candidates potentially running for president. One of them, obviously, I think is the bigger one, the one that will have a major impact on this election. The question is how much of an impact and from which side it will have an impact on. But Robert F. Kennedy Jr., that is making strides by leaps and bounds right now, that is uh, going to be impacting, I think, this presidential race. That we that Some may just be blowing it off, may not be paying attention. I think he's an individual that is going to drastically affect this election in some way, shape, or form. I like him a lot, except for, obviously, a few Democrat policies that he has. But overall, his stance on being concerned and untrusting of government agencies, of the FBI and CIA, for obvious reasons, being a Kennedy, for being concerned about the pharmaceutical industry. He's appealed to the eyes of many conservatives. I think that he's a threat or something that's going to drastically impact this election. The other one that's not going to have as much, except for maybe now, right, is going to be Joe Manchin. This Democrat turned independent, turned to the no labels party, wanting to, like John Kasich, hold hands, sing kumbaya, try and work down the middle of the road, work together across both sides of the aisle, and try and find a happy medium alternative for this race. Still a relative Democrat that could pull, obviously, and potentially a lot of moderate Democrats in this race that don't think that Joe Biden or fill in the blank, whoever candidate may be at the end of the day, may be the most uh, rational individual. He might be able to pull some of those moderate blue dog Democrats onto his side that could affect both Democrats and maybe Donald Trump a little bit as well. But have you heard the potential running mate that he has going into this race? According to NBC News, Joe Manchin is now floating the concept of Mitt Romney being that potential running mate as he weighs that presidential bid. Oh, yeah. Mitt Romney. Which, again, makes me scratch my head even more. I'm not sure what the thought process is here with someone like Mitt Romney, who's already had a failed attempt at running for president and a really bad failed attempt at that. In fact, Mitt Romney, if you look at the numbers, had some of the lowest Republican voter turnout in his race. 
And that was at a time where we had John McCain in the first round back in 2008. That was a failed misery. Then we had the 2012 race with Mitt Romney in a re-election of Barack Obama, obviously very popular with the Democrats, not necessarily popular with any conservatives, and still a record low turnout for the Republicans and Mitt Romney. So I don't know exactly what the thought process is here. Trying to win over Republicans or the middle of the road, maybe you'll get a few individuals over. But with such unpopularity that Mitt Romney has had, even considering leaving office because D.C. is too conservative. D.C. is too much for Trump. D.C. Remember, he is one of those guys that voted to impeach Donald Trump as well. So uh, I guess you can or supported to impeach Trump. He is one of those guys that is very against the what the Republican Party stands for right now. I don't know exactly what demographic you're going for. The whole purpose of running for president is trying to win over a certain demographic of people. And I'm not quite sure what box that's supposed to fit in for that candidacy of a Joe Manchin. Mitt Romney. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but hey, I guess I'm not the run running for president spending lots of money. We're back at it again tomorrow for a Friday. Until everybody, have a wonderful day. We'll see you on the radio.